Hi, I'm Kendra Corman, the host of Imperfect Marketing. If you're a solopreneur, small business owner, or a marketer, you know marketing is far from a perfect science. And that's why this podcast is called Imperfect Marketing. Here you will hear from marketing experts and successful business owners about their marketing tips and, of course, their lessons learned along the way. Hello and welcome back to Imperfect Marketing. I'm your host, Kendra Corman, and today I'm joined by Donnie Bovine, an entrepreneur, and he's the CEO and founder of Success Champions and Success Champion Networking. He's considered one of the leading global minds on sales, business development, and business growth. He is the first person to make sales and business development relatable and human. He runs many businesses, um, and including that, he runs a full working farm with goats, chickens, ducks, turkeys, and geese. His podcast, Growth Mode, ranks among the top podcasts globally. He's a five-time best-selling author and a highly sought-after public speaker. Thank you so much for joining me today, Donnie. Oh, uh, Kendra, this is going to be a lot of fun. The the short banter we've already had, I am so excited to talk about farming with you. It's going to be like the greatest episode ever. <laughs> so I, I, I definitely want to jump. So for those of you who know me, you know, my husband grew up on a farm in central Pennsylvania. They did cash crops. Farming is not a work-life balance situation, <laughs> at least not in the same level that uh, most of us look to it to. Um, and with animals, I mean, like they need to be fed and watered and like <laughs> eggs taken and you, things like that. You you act like it's a chore. I do act like it's a chore because <laughs> it is not on my things to do. Um, I'd like to look at them. They're cute. And then I move on. Um, but so, so talk to me about business freedom and getting to business freedom while you farm and run multiple businesses. Yeah, I love the question. Uh, having a farm, I grew up on a, a lot larger farm as a kid. Um, we rented a house on a 500-acre farm, and we helped maintain the property and, and whatnot. But I went full city life, full suburbia life for years after that. And then um, as my brand continued to grow, my wife wanted animals. I wanted to get out to the country because I really want to be the most famous person that nobody knows in my hometown. Um, so I can still go to the grocery store and things like that. So that's the reason we got away from it all. Um, the interesting thing is I don't think most people understand the business they're actually building. I didn't for sure. When I first started building my business, I actually was trying to recreate the life I left when I left corporate America because that's all I knew. I mean, I knew working for others, having tons of employees, having overhead and buildings and all the stuff. And I really thought that's the direction I wanted to go. I really saw myself buying, you know, a five, six story building, renting out the different floors and the likes. And then one day as I'm walking the farm, I'm like, you know what? I really kind of like just being out here. I really just like this lifestyle. I mean, as we sit right now, I'm in my typical ball cap t-shirt and pajama bottoms. Why? Because it's freaking comfortable. So what I had to learn is freedom is about building a business that fits your lifestyle, not building a crappy job for yourself. And I think what most people actually do is build that crappy job because that's the life they know and understand. So for me, it's a really, really fascinating, simple idea. 
is figuring out what's the life you want to live and then figuring out how do you accomplish all the things you need to get done within that lifestyle. So for instance, and I always get people come at me when I tell this story, but because some people hear me as the hustle and grind guy, and I'm just not the hustle and grind guy. I'm the do the work until the work is done guy. So I work primarily Monday through Friday. Every Thursday at noon, I take off a half day, and we call it our farm day. My wife and I, excluding July and August, because it's too damn hot out, friggin', we will be out working on projects on the farm and taking care of the animals. It's just our cool way of hanging out and spending time together. So rest of the time, it's 8 to 5. And in that 8 to 5 window, I have got to accomplish everything that needs to get done within the business that has to be accomplished. And it's a funny thing when you give yourself hard deadlines. And when you give yourself hard deadlines, you get shit done. And it's you know, the matter of knowing what it takes. And so every day, you're going to really have to prioritize your day. Otherwise, your business is going to go off the rails and you're going to find yourself back up in front of your computer at 9, 10 o'clock at night trying to get all the stuff done because you won't prioritize the things in the way they need to get done. So that's what I mean by business freedom. Is there tough days of managing farms? Manage Absolutely there are. But also with the ability of sitting on my farm and running three companies, including additionally the farm, if something goes wrong on the farm, I'm sitting right here. You know, and I can go help and take care of things. So I think people got to really think through what is the business they want? And then how do they get the business to fit around that lifestyle, not the other way around? I love that. So I think, is it the Pareto principle? Work expands to fill the time you give it? Yes. Or task uh, expands? Pareto is 80-20, but it's no, something in there. Yeah, yeah something, something like that. I can't there. remember yeah. which one it is. But work expands to fill the time you allot for it. Giving yourself hard deadlines is, I think, a fantastic way to go ahead and work on uh, getting things done more efficiently. I had a guest on the podcast earlier this year in 2023 that he said um, he he gave you the secret to getting, I think it's an hour's worth of work done in 30 minutes. And his secret was you do this several times a year whenever you're planning to go on vacation. You prioritize, you don't take extra fluff right. meetings, you get that stuff done. Yep. And ha because you have a date in which you have to be done with it by. And the stuff that doesn't really have to be done doesn't get done. But all the stuff that needs to get done does get done. Well, and, and I, I love it, uh, uh, Sorry, I don't mean to jump in, but I, I put in, in addition to that is most of the things that cause us to be busy, if you will, are things somebody else should be doing for us anyways. You know, like somebody should be reading your email for you. You know, somebody should be handling your social media. Somebody should be handling a lot of your correspondence in general. You know, somebody should be handling your marketing. Somebody should be handling your automations. I, you know, the reason people get so caught up in doing all the things is because they came from a world of working for other people and you do it or you get fired. So you still have the mentality of if it's got to be done, I've got to do it. And oh, by the way, let me put on every hat in the company and make sure it happens versus being an owner. Uh, uh, an employee thinks, how do I get this done? An owner thinks, who can get this done for me? And it's not about taking advantage about people. It's about understanding the people that should be working for you and giving them tasks that allow you to go grow the business, which is your job. 
So how do you balance running the farm and all your businesses? Because you're There's telling no me eight to five. Okay. There's no balance. There's so so work life balance is a myth. Um, and I'm, I'm huge on this because, and, and this is one of the number one things I get people come at me on social media for, which I love is anybody who's looking for work-life balance hates what they do. It's because look, especially if you're running a company, you're never going to stop thinking about that business. It's your freaking livelihood. What you got to do is quit beating yourself up for thinking about that business when you're hanging out with the family, Right. Be yourself present. Go back to watching a baseball game, but you're not going to stop thinking. And some of your best ideas are going to come when you're watching a little kid's baseball league or when you're at the freaking Sunday supper dinner because you're going to hear things because you're around a bunch of people that aren't running businesses. So they're not thinking in the same regards. And I've found that oftentimes my family laughs because I'll be sitting down at dinner and all of a sudden I'll get that idea. I'll walk off, grab my phone, type it in. I'll just come back and sit down and be right back in the moment. But but there's, there's no such thing as work-life balance. I will tell you that I am extremely regimented in my day because I have to be. So I'm up 3.50 in the morning. And I'm not a miracle morning guy. I'm not telling people they got to do this cool morning routine or any crap like that. This just works for me. I'm up early. I'll take my German Shepherds out. We'll go walk the farm. It's been something I've been doing for a while, 45 minutes. I usually listen to a podcast. And that's just my think time. That's my time to get the day off on the right foot and start thinking about the things I'm going to do. And then I'm about 90 to two hours to wake up the farm and get all the critters out and the likes. And here's what I tell everybody. I have no choice in the matter that every morning I have to let the animals out. There's no days off from that, period. You don't get them, right? Every evening I have to put the animals and critters to bed. They can't put themselves to bed. So when I say do the work until the work's done, there are things you absolutely have to do in your business. There's no way around them. Your day doesn't finish until those things are done. And that's going to require your business development. It's going to require your freaking communication stuff. It's going to require for you to give tasks and orders to people for things for them to do. And you have to do those things every day. And if you don't, you're going to go right back to that crappy job. And you're going to go right back. And I'm not saying you're going back to corporate America. I'm just saying you're going to create a crappy job. So I'm extremely regimented in what I do. And the worst thing that can happen for me out throughout the day is to have somebody like miss a meeting or something. And all of a sudden I got an open hour because I've delegated things out so far. Trying to backfill that space drives me bonkers because I'm so task oriented and giving things to other people. But you've got to get extremely regimented with everything you do. No, I love that. And I love the permission to think about your business because people are like, oh, you work too hard. But I love it. <laughs> right. I love what I do. I, I truly love it. Um, don't get me wrong. I need time away. And I like to be present when I'm at other things. But it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about my business right. or, you know, and and that's just nice to have permission to do that. Because, again, I love what I do. Well, and I think that's the whole reason we all, I mean, there's a couple of reasons people got into business. Most of them is they, somewhere along the line, you realized you were unemployable. Like you should not work for anybody else. Yeah. At least that's my story. I'm, I'm not a good employee. And, um, you know, the, the second side of things is you wanted to see what you were made of. 
And and business is a surefire way to meet the dude in the mirror. And I use dude universally, but there's no greater greater tool on the planet to meet the person you are than trying to build a business. Right? You're just going to be seen what you're made of. And for me, I'm not going to lie and say I don't have escapism. Like I play game. Like I have Fortnite on my freaking computer because every once in a while you just need to mind mush the hell out and and turn everything off and escape into something. And it allows you to recalculate, recenter. Um, and it's the same thing for me, riding the back of a tractor, because you can't listen to the podcast because the tractor's so damn loud, is a great way to completely zone out uh, and escape everything. And you'll be amazed when, when that stuff does break through. I just try and be intentional with it every morning with the walks. Yeah, no, I think that's great. My husband gets up at 4 o'clock in the morning. Good He's man. a farmer, so... That's, I think that's a trend. Um, whereas I'm like, my day is going to end when it ends, no matter what. Oh, you and my wife would get along great. She's so get I would up like to sleep. Yeah, so does she. <laughs> so does she. Except for the fact that he makes me get up with him. Um, no, he lets me. I get to. He gets two hours by himself, and then he's like, "All right, let's go." <laughs> We're very similar. So yeah. All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about. How, podcasting because you have your own podcast and i heard that podcasting saved your business it did so i was in gosh about six months into the business and with my wife elizabeth upstairs asleep in, in our room i walk out the back door of the farm and her jeep is missing so I call the police and I say, hey, I think somebody stole my wife's Jeep. And the police quickly inform me that, no, it hasn't been stolen. It had been repossessed. So I was six months in. I had no idea how to run a business. And I was doing a piss poor job of actually trying to figure this out. My wife didn't know this at the time, but I'd already cashed in my 401k trying to make all the ends meet. So now I had to go in the house and tell my wife that not only had her Jeep been repossessed, but we were three months behind on the mortgage. So, God love that woman. She's ride or die. She went in and cashed in her 401k to make one last bet. So, um, I had a buddy reach out to me about a week or two after we went through all that and said, hey, I got a speaking engagement for you in Fort Worth, Texas. And I said, cool. He goes, um, it's a sales conference. And at the time, one of my biggest struggles is I was on a non-compete that I couldn't talk about sales anywhere in the world because um, my last career is with the international sales training organization. So I couldn't talk about sales. And I'm like, dude, I can't, I'd love to do it, but I can't talk about sales. He goes, don't worry about talking about sales. Just come in and tell your sales story. I'm like, cool, I can do that. So I show up to the event, do the speech, had a great time. Get off stage. You know, everybody likes to come up and talk to you after you speak on stage and stuff. And a guy came up to me and he goes, man, I love your energy. I love your story. Would you come tell your story on my podcast? And I said, what the hell is a podcast? This was April of 2018. And uh, he said, you know, it's kind of like talk radio. Well, come on. I'll bring you out to my set. And we'll have some fun. So went out, drove to Dallas, did his set, had an absolute blast. Um, you could tell that I hadn't talked much on podcasts. My stories were just rambling all over the place. And But the show aired two days later. And one of his listeners reached out to ask if they could, I could come help them with their company and the things they were into. And I went, wait. Nah, this podcast thing might be something. So, and by the way, if you ever guessed and getting clients out of being a guest is not something that happens on a, on a regular occasion. Don't let me put that illusion out there. <laughs> but uh, I went on a bunch of shows. Some of them were fantastic. Some of them not so good. 
And it was enough of the not-so-good shows that I'm like, man, I should just launch my own show. So I launched my first podcast in May of 2018. And it took off, and, and we had seen some really cool success. And I found myself having some of the biggest names in the world actually reaching out to be a guest on the show. Uh, Charlene Johnson, Neil Patel, uh, Mike Michalowicz, you know, and their teams were reaching out to be guests on the show. And here I was trying to figure out what my business was and like, I'm like, God, these guys need to be on my show. I can't have this kind of crap show of a process trying to deal with these people and getting all this stuff. So that's when I started learning to outsource and I started learning to hire and I started learning to bring in editors and people to do all the, the things and automation specialists. So it taught me business in a sense of the operational side of things. I could sell. That was fine. It was the, the everything that happens after the sale. I had no freaking clue how to do um, so it really taught me a lot of things, so much so that I ended up creating a six, well, almost seven-figure uh, podcast production company for corporations um, on the backside of that because we got just so good at integrating with the team. So it taught me business at the end of the day, but it also taught me how to network in extremely high levels, which was fun. That's awesome. I love that. And yes, I agree with you. You don't always get business out of guesting. Um, but I've actually had, um, I've gotten business from guests uh, yeah. <laughs> on my, my show. They've shared that's the episode. To, yeah, that's the secret. They've shared the it. episode and then other people started to follow me. They build the relationship and that no like and trust factor. And all of a sudden they're buying from me later. And yeah. it's, um, it's just such a powerful tool podcasting. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, there's there's a lot going around in the world, and I am a huge fan of AI um, yes. because, as you're talking about from an operations standpoint, I mean, it helps with automation. It helps. I mean, it cuts tons of time out of my day. Um, I had three hours a week on just on the podcast alone, just being able to leverage AI. And so it's a very, very powerful tool. But with all this AI, so much content's becoming mediocre. Yep. Um, I was just talking to someone about blogging and we were talking about lots of mediocre content thanks to AI. But it, you know, on podcasts, when I'm talking to you and don't get me wrong, like, yes, people can fake it with AI and blah, blah, blah. But when we're talking and when we're sharing stories and expertise, it takes the content up above mediocre. And it depends on the guest. So how far 100%. above mediocre it goes, but <laughs> but it's about getting better content out there. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that AI is going to hurt a lot of people from the ones. So so I had a guy on my on my show. We were talking about how AI is going to really screw up sales for the next few generations, and the reason being is if you look at your emails that come into your inbox. You're getting the same generic email from different companies saying the same stupid thing um, because everybody's going to AI and say, write an email to a CEO of a company that looking blah, 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 right? So they're getting the same generic stuff. What was fascinating when email marketing first hit the marketplace, all of us old school guys who were cold callers were like, that email stuff's not going to work. We're not going to do that. We're not going to play with it. And then email marketing, all the marketing teams came to the table. Next thing you know, we were getting leads coming in our inbox from the email marketing. 
And then that went to like this tidal wave of people doing email marketing. And now email marketing is nowhere near as strong as it used to be when it first started. And that's where we are with AI is out the gate. Initially, it's going to do some really cool things, but eventually it's just going to saturate the market. And the sad thing is, is the kids that came up behind us to sell have no clue how to write an email. Because it's all done by, you know, the remarketing teams or now it's being done by, by AI. Even sadder for me is these young up and comers don't know how to cold call because they've never had to do it. And what's so frustrating with that is right now cold call is actually one of the best tools in sales because nobody else is doing it. They're like, ah, we'll AI this crap all the way out there. And so all those old guys are a little bit gray hair and whatnot. We're picking up the phone. I just hired a company of uh, seven outbound callers to do nothing but sell tickets for my upcoming summit. Uh, why? Because I know it gets around all the noise. Um, but that's that's the thing is everything's good and everything's bad if you don't use it in the right proper context. So it's going to be fascinating to see what this generation behind us is going to be doing with everything and how much AI is going to affect that overall. I agree with that 100 percent because, I mean, I just had an email series back and forth with a client. I'll say we had four back and forth. My normal rule is three. And then I put it down and I called her. But to get one of my interns to make a phone call, you, it's like I'm asking them to, like, cut off their hand. Yeah, I'm like, no, make a phone call. And they're like, no. I was working with my niece on um, – she had a project for econ, and I was helping her out with it. And I was like, all right, you're going to call and do research. You're going to call the store, and you're going to ask them about these sneakers that you have to do this paper on. And I said, so tell me. You know, ask him, here's the questions I want you to ask him, introducers. She cried. <laughs> she cried. High school student. Bawling, whining. I, I'm like, this is not torture. Uh, You're going a, to do this. <laughs> I had a client who was almost 30 years old. I was telling her to do the same, same exact thing. Almost 30 years old and full on breaking down in tears that she couldn't pick up the phone. I'm like, what's the worst thing that can happen to you right now? And her response was, go hang up on me. I'm like, jeez. Yeah. Oh. It's like, okay. So but there's only two things to be scared of, death and dismemberment. Um, so cold right? calls are not either of those. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, when you're looking at marketing, again, I think you're right. Nothing is all good or all bad, it, you know, to any extent. But it's about using the right tools in the right places and and leveraging them and making sure that you're not being mediocre. And I think that that's really important. Yeah, I think what most people don't understand is we all suck at everything until we no longer suck. I mean, that's just the way it is. And I think. There's a lot of things at play in there. Head trash being the biggest one, you know, no matter what you're trying, whether it's marketing, whether it's sales, you're going to be clunky out the gate. You're going to look silly. You're going to look goofy. Things just aren't going to work. But you have to have all that stuff look silly. You have to have all that stuff look clunky. You've got to be willing to make a fool of yourself because that's where you learn everything. And what people don't understand is usually at the moment of some sort of frustration – that you actually learn stuff. 
Because you're going to get to a point where you're like, okay, this sucks. There's got to be a better way of doing this. And that's where us lazy guys that want to do as minimal as possible to find as much success as possible, we'll find every shortcut in the book just so we don't have to go through that long, boring-ass process. And that's where innovation comes through. And that's where the business breakthrough comes through. And it's like for most people, when you're building a business, the first business you drew out the gate is not going to be the business you end up with because you're going to try all these different things. They're going to get better and better. And everything you've learned up to that point, you're going to apply to whatever this business is. And it can be broken down the same thing as if you're out doing any sort of networking and meeting people. The first 20, 30 events you go to, you're going to look like that junior high kid that everybody picked on, you know, because you're just awkward, clunky, and weird. And eventually you're going to find a rhythm to it and be able to have the right conversations and figure out what's the point of doing everything. And and you've got to embrace those frustrating moments, those moments when when everything just feels just awkward and weird and you don't know what the hell you're doing. Those need to become some of the funnest moments in your business because that is when you're actually learning everything. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, we think that it's not good and we think that, you know, we're making fools of ourselves and we think because we're a lot harder judge. Yes. Yes. Of ourselves than other people are. And so, yes, my first couple of episodes of Imperfect Marketing, they sucked. Like if you go back and listen to them, they sucked, but there's other people that liked them and they didn't judge me nearly as hard as I did myself. So, you know, it really comes down to, you know, getting over that because you're really not that important to other people (laughs) that they're going to judge you that harshly. And it's all about moving forward, you know, keeping things going. Yeah. just the on the podcast, everybody probably brings back to Joe Rogan. I'm like, guys, go listen to Joe's early stuff. He was horrible, right? He had just come off Fear Factor, and you know his stuff was bad. Uh, the dude's got 14, 15 years of these fantastic conversations, and the dude is self aware as hell. And where most podcast hosts screw up is they have no self-awareness. They don't actually know who the hell they are. So the conversations always are very dry because everybody's talking in kind of these uh, sound bites. You know, they have their key things they're going to say at the given moment in time. And that's why a lot of shows don't work and a lot of shows don't get a lot of traction, right? You've got to be able to put out original thought and have real dialogues and real conversations with people. But that only comes from repetition. It only comes from doing it. It only comes from getting punched in the face by trying new things. And you're 100% right, because my mom was probably the only person. She said it was amazing, but she was the <laughs> only person to listen to episode one, I mean. It's <laughs> so. 100% satisfaction. You're all good. <laughs> right. All good. So. so, no, but I agree with you on that, because it it does come down to not being as hard on ourselves. And, you know, again, just you're not going to get better at it if you don't start. Yes. Yes. There was a, a, a TikTok that went around for a little while, and it was a group of billionaires just sitting around talking. They're like, the only way to get successful, the only way to get wealthy, the only way to do anything is to start. Because it's in the start that everything you start to learn, and they were went on to say, you know, everything compounds. Once you learn a skill set, you don't learn that skill set. You might be a little clunky at it, you know, if you haven't done like. I went back to an after-hours networking event last week. I haven't done that in freaking forever, but a bunch of clients asked me to come out, so I decided to come out. 
I really don't get off the farm that often. And I go out and I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be so horrible because I haven't done this in probably four or five years. And now here we go. I'm going to go out and go networking. And it was funny to watch my clients watch me work a room because it was like riding a bike for me. I'm just going around introducing people, collecting names, getting information, and 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 doing a couple of funny tricks like so your listeners can use this. If you're ever at a networking event and you get cornered by that person that won't shut up or leave you alone and like you're just locked in, fake a phone call on your phone, hit a button on the phone so the screen lights up, and just take that as a fake phone call and go, dude, sorry, I got to walk away. Um, I did that at this last event, and my all the people around me were like, wow, you took a phone call right in the middle of that. And I showed them the phone. They're like, wait, you faked that? I'm like, yeah, I totally just <laughs> faked that phone call uh, to get away because the guy just would not shut the hell up. Yeah. So. No, and it, yeah, it's important. And yeah, you don't forget the things that that you experience. So I think that's really important too. Sure. And you just keep adding to it. So the more you do, the more you start, the more you learn. And what do they say? Um, the more you fail, the more you learn and move forward too. So fail fast. I'm on a mission to almost try and reframe the word fail. And the only reason is I I like the idea of experiment because I think life is an experiment. And if you look at life as an experiment, you never really fail at the thing. That experiment didn't work. Cool. Mm -hmm. So let's take what we freaking learned from that moment and let's, you know, apply that learning and go forward and try it again. And then you just get to try and screw up a whole bunch of different experiments. And let's be honest, some of those failed science projects turned into some really cool things. So, yeah, uh, you know, that's, it, it works well for me to reframe it that way. Yeah. And I'm a big, huge fan of experimentation. I talk about it regularly in the podcast. So as um, anybody who's a regular listener knows, I am a huge fan of experimentation because you have to try things to see what works and what doesn't. So I do like reframing that from failure. Thank you so much, Donnie, for joining me today. I appreciate it. Um, And I appreciate all that you shared. Such an interesting story. I love your perspective on being regimented and not allowing work to expand beyond the framework that you've given it. And your story about how podcasting saved your business. That's a very powerful story. And I do appreciate it. But the one thing that I ask all my guests, so before you leave, I need to get an answer to one more question, and that is this show is called Imperfect Marketing. As we all know, imperfect marketing or marketing is anything but a perfect science. So knowing that, what has been your biggest marketing lesson learned? Love it. And before I answer that, guys, if you've hung out with us this long on the show and you've got any tips, tricks, any value out of this episode, do Kendra a favor. Take a screenshot of wherever you're listening to this tag it on social media. If you tag me, if you tag Kendra, I promise we'll come comment and engage. Um, but share this out with one person because having my own show, building out of audience is one of the toughest things in the world. But you sharing this out to one person that needs to see it, whether it's this episode or any other episode you've enjoyed, share it to one person. To answer your question, though, the and this is still an ongoing learning process. I named my summit the Badass Business Summit. Let's be honest, my, actually some clients did. When we did that, we built out the website, we built all the stuff, we rented the convention center, we did all the things. Then we found out the word badass, you can't run ads to. You can't run Facebook ads, <laughs> you can't run LinkedIn, Google oh ads. Oh my gosh. 
So, so when we've tried to go around it, we create another website called Events with an Edge. We're like, okay, we'll go two steps and try and run ads. You know, so for me now, when we think about anything coming up, we're very conscious of uh, what do we call this. And we look at all the additional parameters. Can you run ads with this? Can you you do whatever? Because having a brand new summit where only a handful of people know about it, you want to talk and have to go old school sales tactics to fill the damn thing uh, because you can't run ads and stuff. It was a massive lesson learned. So be cognizant of what the heck you're putting out there and look at all the things. Don't do what I typically do and go, oh, that's a good idea and should run that direction. Do due diligence. Uh, it'll save you a lot of damn heartache. Yeah. Progress over perfection. But yeah, you definitely need to do your research and make sure you know what you're doing. Right. So again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but B plus work is always a good target. So this has been, again, a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Donnie. I do really appreciate it. And for all of you listening, if you got anything out of this, we'd appreciate if you shared it. I love Donnie's suggestion of sharing that in social media and tagging it and getting it into one other person's hands. That would really help me out. Otherwise, rate and subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. We do appreciate it and have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Imperfect Marketing. Be sure to subscribe and visit KendraCorman.com slash Imperfect Marketing to view the show notes of all my podcast episodes. See you next week. Same time, same place.